Before we jump into this episode, I just want to say thank you to our sponsors, Gateway Seminary. Gateway Seminary is a resource for the church. Whether you're looking to grow as a Bible teacher or maybe get a little bit better in college or youth ministry, they've got something for you all the way from certificates to master's degrees. No matter where you're at or what you're looking for, Gateway Seminary might be a great resource for you. Check them out at move.sc gateway. All right, everybody, we are backstage in the debrief room right now waiting to go surprise PMB because this summer we hit over a million downloads. That's right, a million downloads of the debrief podcast. So we're going to go surprise PMB right now. He has no idea. Uh, For those of you that are just listening right now, we have balloons, we have hats. We're about to go crazy nuts and say surprise. Come on, let's check it out. Well, hey, everybody, and welcome to The Debrief with your friends here at Sandals Church. I am Stephanie Schaefer here with both the PMB and the Mrs. PMB. Yes. <laughs> the, TMB. the TMB. Yeah. The TMB. You guys TMB. have very similar initials. It's really helpful. So yes. thank you for that. Actually, well, if you spelled my name backwards, it's it's Tam. Huh. That's when wow. I knew she was the one. Wow. That was it, huh? Yeah. That was all, that was all, <laughs> the only thing? Yeah. It was like pizza and then our name spelled. <laughs> And breathing. I can't eat pizza. I can't eat pizza anymore. Oh, 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 I miss it. Like when Jesus comes, it's (laughs) the first thing I'm going to ask him to heal is my gluten intolerance so that I can Mm -hmm. once again enjoy the Italian masterpiece known as pizza. Mm -hmm. Good plan. Well, before we dive into the episode, we actually have something really excited we wanted to share. So we started the debrief about three years ago. We recently hit a really, really huge milestone. Okay. But I'm terrible at numbers, so I'm actually going to ask some friends to come in right now. Are you kidding me? Oh, no. no. We have hit, thank you. One million, man. One million downloads. Yeah. Like we made a million dollars? We have made, no, we've made one million downloads million of the DB podcast. It took it's us three years. to donate one million dollars. It took dollars. us three years. Okay. okay. Actually- One three just died. We love you guys. We love this show. One million downloads. Nice. Nice hat, Jono. Here you go. Yeah, it's the debrief care bear. Squeeze, squeeze the hand. How does it work? Oh. oh. I gotta be honest with you, I was drawn to the That's so great. Who came up with that? Nice. <laughs> yeah, Jordan actually. Is this Build a Bear? Mm-hmm. These are expensive. We got a little debrief bear again. You're worth yeah. it. Oh. Thank you guys. Can you put Love a price, you put a price on a million downloads? <laughs> That's really fun. Good job, guys. You scared me. Yeah, no, we're (laughs) yeah. All right, we're done. So fun. Yeah. So we wanted to celebrate that. Yeah, a million downloads. We're actually a little over a million downloads now, but that's actually huge for how many episodes we have out. If you look at like in the podcast realm, lots of people are going back and re-downloading or grabbing episodes from way past. Like we're constantly having more and more downloads. So it's really great. Cool. Well, thank you guys for listening. Invite a million of your friends so I can get a bigger bigger bear. Or give a million dollars. That would work. That would work great. So maybe just a sandal search. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But today we are talking about the wonderful... uh, Topic of conflict. Yes. My least favorite thing Something in the entire world. Something that I know a lot about. Yes. <laughs> so we want to have both of you guys on here uh, just to talk through some of your experience with conflict and then how you've seen the Enneagram help in conflict. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wanted to start off just asking, how have you seen conflict really threaten your marriage and even your ministry over the years? 
Like wherever well, I would say for us and for any pastor listening, so mm-hmm. I would encourage you to share this podcast with any young pastor, mm-hmm. any young couple in ministry, because uh, ministry adds a um, an added stress to marriage. And so the reality is when you have stress in the marriage, there's also stress in the mm-hmm. ministry, which affects the the, uh, the socioeconomic stability of the home. And so that's like a huge, huge problem. Yeah. And so, um, you know, there are very, very few uh profession still in America today where something that you do in your personal life can affect your professional life. But ministry is still one of those things where literally those two are married. And so for Tammy and I, I think it was extraordinarily hard as we would manage conflict mm-hmm. and in really the difficulties of uh, of just life, finances, love, sex, marriage, kids. I mean, you name it. Um, we had conflict over everything. And it was really learning how to uh, handle those things. I would say uh, when we talked about this week in church, uh, I guess when I talked about this week in church, is Tammy came from a home where conflict always uh, ended in somebody leaving, somebody threatening to leave. And mm-hmm. so for her, her upbringing was this is the end or potentially mm-hmm. is the end. Mm-hmm. I think in my home, um, my parents had conflict, but but survived it, worked through it. And so I had more hope that we, we can get through this. And so, um, which means we just, we went into it with yeah. a totally different mindset as we're navigating through it. It's not even crossing Matt's mind mm-hmm. that this is the beginning of the end. Yeah. And we're just going to get into it. Like, two seconds in, I'm thinking, okay, what am I going to do? Mm-hmm. Cause this is the beginning of the end, yeah. you know? And so that has been a huge thing for us to navigate in 23, almost 24 years of marriage yeah, is exactly that. And to, and never realizing, you know, we don't realize this. Matt didn't realize that I was always six steps till we're all going to die and it's over. And I'm, you know, having to like figure out where to live and like, like halfway through conversation or arguments, I'm thinking, where am I going to move to? How am I going to support my children? How am I, you know, like yeah. I just go, I went into this panic mode mm-hmm. and he's just like we're we've got to talk about this well no I, I i think you're being generous i think i went into okay this is a total failure so my mm-hmm. unhealthy absolutely my unhealthiness mm-hmm. was this is a failure i failed in marriage and for me you know marriage is uh is one of the most important things i do in my life and so uh you know as a three obviously career notoriety those things are always at the top but marriage was something because of my religious upbringing was something that I considered to be literally a, a a bedrock foundation for am I successful or not. So so the potential of the the marriage ending in divorce was extraordinarily frightening for me. And um, mm-hmm. you know, then what I would do is so the three we go to the nine. So I bury it and I suppress it. And the nine is unaware of their anger. And then when it comes out, right, it's explosive. And uh, I would say I'm not I'm not a very angry person. I don't have conflicts with a lot of people. But when I do, my anger is overwhelming and scary. And so, so we're, so we're managing that from an early age and it's, it was very, very difficult. And, um, so, so let me just say this to all of our pastors who are listening to this. So let's say it's Friday night, date night goes bad. There's stress. There's a, there's a, there, we had conflict over bills, money, spending, uh, and, and, and I mean, I, I made a lot of mistakes early on. So a lot of that was on me. Um, but just you, you name it, we, we fought over it. And so then I've got to prepare a message on Sunday morning. And so here I am, I'm going to stand up and preach in front of all these people and, and, and we're not okay. And mm-hmm. that was just like. And it, at the time I didn't have the maturity to understand the headspace Matt needed to be in and the heart space. Mm-hmm. 
So you're like, no, we're going to talk about this. Yeah. Yeah. I want to clarify one thing you just said, because most people don't know. But when Matt just said the three goes to the nine, that's actually an Enneagram um, language and function of each of our primary styles when we're in health can mimic or pull from other styles. Um, it's kind of this whole other layer that's once you get more familiar with it, you go with it. But for the three, which is a style, when Matt's in unhealth, he goes to the nine, which is suppressing, not dealing with any area in his life that might feel like a failure. Yeah. Um, and so when he says the nine or the three goes to the nine, that that's what it means is in, in stress, the threes, Matt's style can mimic the unhealth of a nine. And then um, when Matt's secure, he actually pulls from the high parts of the six. Um, it's just the numbers that go with him. Every style has a security area er, arrow. That means it pulls from the, the better, the beautiful, the, you know, the healthy parts of that style. And then has a stress arrow that under stress, it, it pulls from that. So like the three, for example, the three struggles with uh, deceit and lying, whereas the healthy six is rooted in truth. So when the three is healthy, it's rooted in truth. That's how it mimics the six, if that makes any kind of sense. So, yeah. you know, we're, we might say some terms on here that are very familiar to us, but they're unf- unfamiliar to a lot of people listening. So I'll try to make sure that if we do that, I give a little bit. You don't need to dive into stress and security arrows. What we want for you guys is, again, not to become experts on the Enneagram, like we have to some degree because we're several years in, but we want the Enneagram to help you be an expert on yourself. Mm -hmm. And so when we say that, don't feel like I have to master the Enneagram. We want you to understand your styles because we want you to understand what most motivates and influences you so that you understand how you relate to yourself, God, and others so that you can become the healthier version of who God meant you to be, not just an expert on the Enneagram. Yeah. So, cause you're so, not a number. Yeah, no, we just want you to understand yourself. Yeah. So if you've ever looked at it in the Enneagram logo, so this is the easy <laughs> way to understand it is, is you look at it and a lot of people are freaked out. They're like, Oh my gosh, it's a pentagram. And, not... Which is why a lot of people are turned off yeah. by it and don't like it because yeah. of the visual. Yeah. So when but you, actually has meaning yeah, when the next time you look at it, so I'm a three. So look at whatever your number is, look at your number. And then there are lines from your number going to other numbers. All you have to do is look at those things, and in health and unhealth, you can pull from the positive and negative qualities from those things. Yeah. It's not a perfect system, yeah. but it has been helpful for me to understand, because sometimes you say, well, I do things that are not in my number. Mm-hmm. So so yeah. why is that? Well, oftentimes, people from that number pull in these directions, and, th- and that's where it's been helpful, and that's all, that's all those lines are. Those lines are simply saying the three can act like a nine, can act like a six, uh, you know, an eight can act like a two or can act like a five. Uh, mm-hmm. Did I get those right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I want to make sure I got the numbers right. That, that's all it means. So mm-hmm. let's get back to the question. How does yeah. conflict yeah. threaten your marriage? I would say conflict threatens every marriage. Yeah. Every marriage yes. is on the line when there's conflict. And mm-hmm. so what I would encourage you is don't minimize the risk of conflict. Now, don't avoid it. Uh, because avoiding it, it can also lead mm-hmm. to huge problems. But, um, you know, I think it's important to, uh, to to face conflict as a good thing because what it helps you do is understand um, 
you know, how people are really feeling and what they're really thinking. And when you're in love and you're interested in sex and romance, oftentimes things that you really feel are pushed to the side because, you know, for the guy, maybe he just really wants to have sex or for the girl, she just really wants to, you know, to feel safe and secure in the context of marriage. And it's not always that way, but those are stereotypes. But once we get into the marriage uh, and and we've moved past the buzz of, of sexual attraction and the buzz of, of marital unity and now I'm a grown up or whatever it is, then you actually have real issues to deal with. And, and I actually think it's, it's, it's good to deal with what's real. And, uh, you know, we were in small group last night and somebody was quoting Jordan Peterson, whom I love. And what he said is it's, it's important early on in a marriage to, he says, you know, fight it all out. I don't love that. Well, fight can mean different things yeah. to different people. But I think so. it's, it's, it's important to be extraordinarily real and risk hurting one another's feelings so that you can decide ultimately Mm-hmm. what's worth fighting over or not. And so like, for example, um, you know, I think that when Tammy and I dated, we had a very codependent relationship. Tammy did whatever I wanted. And so when we got married, <laughs> when we got married, that, that, that needed to shift. Mm-hmm. And the only way that was going to shift was why, by her standing up for her, her, her opinion and her voices and her thoughts and her feelings. And ultimately, and just so you know, if you're a woman listening, you're like, oh, I'm going to stand up and my husband's going to change. No, your husband's your husband. I have no idea what he's going to do. I had to make a decision. Do I want to have a good marriage? And so the answer is yes. And so if so, is there a possibility that Tammy's not crazy? Is there a possibility yes, a that, big possibility that, what, that she's well, not I think crazy. everybody does that when, <laughs> when somebody, when somebody attacks us with a feeling or emotion that we mm-hmm. don't agree with, our first assumption is they're crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you know, you see this on stage with, uh, you know, politics, Democrats act like, you know, Republicans are this Republicans is, and, and we do that, I think as Americans and, and, and just in a modern sense is we're afraid to admit we're wrong or, or we could have missed something. So we, we, we assume that the other person's crazy and I had to stop and think, okay. And then I had to start saying, what are, what are the, what are the things that I can let go of and I don't care about? And what, that's what I would encourage every married couple and every person it, it, is, is this real, am I worth, is this, am I willing, there we go, there's the language, am I willing to die on this hill? Because I think early on, every challenge that Tammy brought, I felt like was an affront to my masculinity, to my spiritual leadership, and I took offense at everything that she was saying. And so, one, is there truth in what she's saying? Because she's not always right, but oftentimes she was. And then two, am I willing to release this to my spouse? And, um, you know, submission is a controversial topic. And I think that's why we're so bad at marriage in our culture is we, because we appoint to abuses of submission rather than, okay, look, uh, the word of God says submit to one another out of reverence of Christ. So we both have to say husband and the wife, where am I willing to submit to? And so like one of the things, uh, you know, I was talking with my dad, my mom and dad just bought a, a new home and you know, they're in their seventies and my dad's complaining and griping about the things my mom's doing and decorating the house. And I'm like, let it go, bro. Like, but, but I was that way in my twenties, mm-hmm. you know, I want, um, I want the house to look a certain way and feel a certain way. And, and, and what we came to and where Tammy met me was, you know, Hey Tam, you married a man. 
Okay, well, this is not a lesbian relationship. So, so the household needs to look like there's a man that lives here. Meanwhile, Be- me like decorating with yeah, sunflowers uh, and it was ridiculous. <laughs> pink you know? everywhere. She grew up. I'm she grew really up sorry with. About that. She grew up with a sister <laughs> and a dad who was basically gave her carte blanche, do whatever you want with the house. Mm-hmm. And it's just like so. So that's all I say is is make it make it look like there's a man who lives somewhere in here, you know, and has testicles. Right. That's <laughs> that that's important. Other than that, you know. Go go free and 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 really release her to doing that. And I think over time, Tammy and I have, uh, and and just if you're a young couple, mm-hmm. I would encourage you to argue about money early on. But the hope is is that at some point you're going to become a unit and you're going you're going to see things eye to eye. Tammy and I have very very few fights. I. I can't think of the last time we fought about money when that's all we fought about early on. Mm-hmm. And and that's two things. One, Tammy trusts me uh, t- to handle the money and handle the finances. And I, I take that mantle on that. And so, you know, mm-hmm. my, my responsibility is to provide for the family and our future and our children's education. Those are my responsibilities. Now, within that, it's also my responsibility to make sure that Tammy has freedom with the money to, to live and enjoy her life. And, and so here's the thing is she doesn't abuse that. She, she talks to me a lot about, you know, she'll call me and say, Hey, uh, don't go, don't freak out. Here's the things that I spent on the credit card, you know, cause the bank might be calling me and saying, did someone steal your card? No, my <laughs> wife is just feeling free today. Um, and, and the other thing is, is, is young couples, the things you want to buy now, I would say no to yourself because there's going to be a point in time when you can afford those things. Mm-hmm. And, and, and here's the beautiful thing about almost being 50 is we can afford things, but now I, I'm not so insecure that, and, and I wouldn't say you are either, that we feel like we need need that. I right. think when you're young, you're like, oh, I need to get that or do that. So conflict has threatened our marriage, and w- we have had to go to counseling repeatedly. It's been difficult. Um, <clears throat> we've we, we fought about friendships a lot, too, I would say. Yeah. So money, uh, sex, kids, raising kids, family we fought about, and friendships we fought about. Basically, everything we're talking about in this series. Uh, you know, at some point in time, Where do you Tammy think and I... the series came from? Yeah. Um, so if you're in ministry, particularly the senior pastor, the person who has to stand up and teach on the weekend, I can't say this enough. No one knows the burden that places on a person. You are standing in the pulpit. Uh, you are educating the people of God. The devil has his arrows aimed at your soul, aimed at your marriage, and aimed at your children. Mm-hmm. And everybody should respect and honor that office. And I think at Sandals, we I do I work really, really hard to make it seem like I'm just like everybody else because I want to be seen by that. But when I'm standing up there and teaching, I am not just like everybody else. And so Tammy and I's marriage is under attack. Our finances are under attack. You know, our sexual desires, our, I mean, you name it, our, 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 our you know. Friendships, our Friendships, reputation. everything, yeah. The enemy is going to come at, the last thing the devil wants is Sandals Church or your church to be successful. Mm-hmm. And so you need to understand the devil is trying to destroy you. Uh, John 10, 10, one of the most beautiful verses in the Bible, I have come that you may have life. But what precedes that is, the enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy. And that's what he's trying to do to your marriage. And so you have to understand, uh, have couples that you can immediately talk to. I think what I wish Tammany and I would have had is an older marriage mentor couple that we could have immediately gone to and we could have said, hey, we're fighting about this. This happened, um, you know, like 
can you help us navigate that? And, and, and what would be important for that is that neither the husband or wife feel like this person is on their team, but that this person is on the marriage's team. Mm-hmm. Because what you don't want to do in counseling is, is have one person feel ganged up on. And so I don't want somebody that's going to make Tammy feel ganged up on. And I mm-hmm. certainly don't want to be in one where I feel like it's Tammy and this counselor against me. But this person is actually rooting for the marriage, and that's the side God's on. And so I would just say that that marriage and ministry is is, is a is a difficult um, thing to figure out. It's why the Catholics, I think, just forbid it. It's just like, nope, just don't even do it, because it creates so many problems and so many challenges when you're putting a person on a, a moral spiritual pedestal. Mm-hmm. And and that's true; they are on a pedestal. But the, what also is true is. We're just like everybody else. Mm-hmm. Hopefully we're exercising more wisdom and, and spiritual well, judgment. I think what we know now is that in our case, which is unique, is that if our marriage fails, yeah, it does affect at this point thousands and thousands of people. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of pressure, which is hard, but it's also good sometimes, you yeah. know, when we're being selfish to ourselves to yeah. go, it's not just us at risk. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is that for people in ministry, just to know that is, is it, once you realize it's not just about you, you realize about how much the enemy wants to come after. Cause if Matt and I separate, get divorced, split up, that, that just has ripple effects. And so of course the enemy wants to come after us. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, I mean, sometimes it still catches us by surprise, but not as much as we're older now of just, um, oh, of course we had a huge fight Friday before <clears throat> Easter, mm-hmm. which is the most attended week into the year or that kind of stuff. Like sometimes like, no, it's, this is real. And then on Monday after Easter, it's like, eh, that's embarrassing. We didn't see that one coming. <laughs> you know, the other thing is, Um, which is one of the things that I try to coach whenever I do coaching using the Enneagram is that to think of conflict, that it's not bad. It's just hard Mm -hmm. and we can do hard things. And, um, you know, when Matt and I were young, exactly like he said, like, I wish that we had had an older couple that was safe for us because that, you know, which is what we try to be now to young couples to say, you know, I felt shocked when we had conflict, like, oh my gosh, we, we're just not meant to be. We made a mistake because there's conflict. When how helpful it would have been to have someone come alongside us and go, of course you have conflict. You're figuring out who you are. Mm-hmm. Matt's figuring out that he really doesn't care about what color the plates are. But he didn't know that at first because mm-hmm. that was the big fight we had when registering for our <laughs> wedding. Is like Matt wanted input on every single thing on the registry. I'm like, why do you care what plates we have? And now he's like, I didn't care. I don't know. But for him, it wasn't about the plates. It was about not being controlled by me mm-hmm. and not not me deciding who we were on my own. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. not actually what it was. But what was it? It was my unhealthy three. I was worried how it made us look. That was actually the thing. Yeah. So Tammy's registering for her dream items in Target, which... (laughs) Like it was all about me, though. Selfishly, (laughs) I mean, honestly. But like, who cares? And so I was pressured about how my family was going to judge us when she was registering for things that we would never buy ourselves. Mm -hmm. But who cares? Because they didn't didn't have (laughs) to buy it. But no, that's a three, right? A three is worried about appearance. Mm -hmm. And I was embarrassed that we, we looked self-centered or I was too into what everybody else, what everybody else thought. And it was just dumb. Mm. So, um, um, but, but conflict in those early years is actually so 
good if you do it well and you play fair, mm-hmm. which I think is one of the things that Enneagram can help with is how to understand because there were things about me that, and about Matt, like what the Enneagram can do and help with conflict is like, I'm a six on the Enneagram, the loyalist, but safety and security is my primary motivation. Mm-hmm. Okay. Safety and security is not Matt's primary motivation. It doesn't mean he doesn't care about those things, but he just doesn't, it's not his thought to be like, Oh, is this going to be the end mm-hmm. when yeah. it is for me? And, and conflict has helped us go, Oh my gosh, what I was so hung up on never even occurred to you and vice versa. Mm-hmm. So we, we spoke two languages that the other wasn't fluent in and conflict has helped us to become fluent in one another's language. Yeah, absolutely. And the Enneagram is what's helped us do that, which has completely transformed for the most part yeah. <laughs> and not always in every moment, but yeah. how we have conflict now. Yeah. yeah. Let me speak to, um, and this is just, this is just wisdom. Uh, and, and by wisdom, I mean, <laughs> no, I mean, experience of failing in this. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want there to be any wife that's married to a man. That's a pastor to feel like, well, I can't bring up some issues because it'll destroy his preaching. Right. Um, if there are significant marital challenges, abuse, porn addiction, rage, like here's what I would say. If you're a wife, if you, if you read through, you know, uh, Timothy chapter three or Titus chapter two, and you feel like there, there are some real areas in your husband's life that do not align with these passages. You are bound by God Mm -hmm. to go to the elders, to go to a counselor, to stand up because ultimately what we want is to give your husband an opportunity to be restored. Maybe he needs a break from ministry. Maybe he needs some maturity. Maybe he needs to repent. So I don't want women to be in abusive relationships because they're worried about how this is going to impact and affect Mm -hmm. the church. What we need is healthy, qualified men to stand up and preach and speak. And so the wife needs to be aware. So here's what you need to be aware of. Uh, I preach on Saturdays at Sandals Church. Uh, around Saturday at about one o'clock, I feel anxious and stressed. Mm-hmm. Then I'm going to come home on Saturday night, and this can can go Saturday night, and it can go through Sunday. And based upon how I feel about my message, I'll either feel elated and excited, or I will feel depressed and melancholy. Mm-hmm. So and so, like we can say, you shouldn't feel those things. Well, we 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 can we can should on all of ourselves and others. <laughs> That's just the reality. Mm-hmm. And so, as a family, we we have to. We have to figure that out and, and we have to navigate around that kind of performance oriented, you know, profession. And mm-hmm. so that's, that's just the reality and um, figure some things out. We tried small group on Sunday nights while well, I'm falling asleep, you know, halfway through. Or mm-hmm. I, I'm just not at my best. Monday nights works really well for us. Um, so, so I would just say that is, I think you need to be aware that what your husband does, or in some cases, I'm, I'm guessing that there are some women who are this, are maybe the primary speaker. Um, you know, we don't have that at Sandals, but some of our, you know, sister churches and friend churches, they do have that. So the role is reversed. Um, you need to be aware of the attack <clears throat> that's coming around, mm-hmm. but you don't silence yourself in the name of, well, it's, it's best for the church. Cause that's mm-hmm. not real. Mm-hmm. What the church is not well served. If we have an unhealthy person who's unqualified temporarily because of their emotional makeup, their spiritual makeup, or, um, you know, maybe some, some, some problems that they're going through and we want to, uh, help them through that mm-hmm. so that it doesn't get worse. We want it to get better. So, and by reaching out, I would say, you know, part of it might be all of those things, but also healing that needs to happen because more often than not, the outward 
rage or addiction or whatever is uh, indicative of inward yeah. woundings mm-hmm. that need to happen, not in every single case, mm-hmm. but in a lot of cases. And that is loving to reach out to help the person that you love more than anyone else in the world find healing to some really broken places inside. Um, and, and, you know, that's, that's best. You do not, you're not supposed to go this alone. And also your marriage is not to be sacrificed for the church. Hopefully the ministry will be an outpouring as it should be of the marriage that you have. And so instead of, you know, Matt and I making a choice years ago to say, we're not going to pretend we're okay. So that the church is doing well, we're going to really take being okay for reals. Um, as, one of our primary goals, responsibilities, um, so that we can help model to that and walk with people and help our church be healthy in that way as we are healthy. Because the church is not going to, no matter how hard if we tried to fake it, the church is not going, they're going to be, they're going to reflect what Matt and I are, are reflecting, which is why we both try to be real about when we have struggle and what we've learned from it. So many people say to me, like, do you hate when Matt shares whatever? Mm-hmm. And every once in a while I feel embarrassed, but that's about me. Yeah. You I, know? No, sometimes it's me. I apologize. And but <clears throat> all this the- although this week when I did talk about makeup sex, I hear this cackle <laughs> from the audience. And I'm and it was her. It sounded just like <laughs> She's that. Actually, dying so. laughing. So I'm just thinking about like super religious people that have come to Sandals for the first time and, and like, a pastor talked about awesome. makeup sex and you hear this. <laughs> <laughs> and it's the pastor's wife. So, but which yeah, makeup sex yeah, is great. Yeah. The so. point is though, that even sometimes if I feel embarrassed or vulnerable, the, my bigger heart really is that when, when God does a work in us, I don't want to, to keep that just for ourselves. I mm-hmm. want other people to have the benefit of what God's doing in us yeah. through conflict, through when we do stupid things and learn the hard way or say the wrong things to each other. Mm-hmm. You know, our church can learn from what we get right, but also from what we get wrong because yeah. you don't do this. We did it and it stings. Don't do it. Like <laughs> Yeah. And so again, you know, um, to those of you who are dating, pay so close attention to how, how does the person that you're dating mm-hmm. manage disappointment, disagreement, and delusionment, right? Those three things, man, really, really focus in on those things. And can you remind me? Cause I'll talk about that yes. in dating, but disappointment, disagreement, and disillusionment. How is this person handling this? Because when you're dating, you can get out at any time. Mm-hmm. When we stand before God and we say, I vow, like the, the world says that means nothing. As Christians, that means everything. Mm-hmm. So, so to look at how are they when they when they disagree? How how are they when they're disillusioned? You know, they're just they're just upset. Uh, what was the other D that I used? Disappointed. How are they when they're just disappointed? And so, you know, a lot of Tammy and I's fighting was just me sulking because I didn't get what I wanted, and that's just immaturity. Mm-hmm. And and learning to navigate those three things in dating is so key um, because you're marrying the whole person. And that's why, you know, Tammy, we can't stand when we go to weddings and this person's perfect. And, you know, like when at your wedding, your dad was like, oh, they're perfect for each other. And I almost choked on my, on my, uh, my eyes tea. And your dad was looking at me like, what? I was like, oh dude, I was like, Stephanie's awesome. She's not perfect for anything. So, um, that's none of us are. Matt and I are in this fun season where we're, yeah. we're writing our actual vows now instead of. Oh, I, I threw you under the bus this weekend with your vows. No, but it's Stephanie. I mean, you're a, you're a, you're a, a very competent person. You're a wonderful human being. You're attractive. You love God. 
you're not perfect. Yeah, no, no, no. And 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 so we need <laughs> we need to not say that because when we say things like that, what we're really doing is we're setting up our partner for failure. Oh yeah. Because now, what am I gonna do? When, yeah, we're perfect for each other. Why uh, are you fighting with me right yes. now? Right. I should use yeah. that sometimes, but yeah. <laughs> um, so I want to move away from marriage for a second and talk mm-hmm. about conflict in other areas too, in friendships, um, especially in ministry. You guys lead a really big church. Yeah, we're talking about friendships this weekend. We are, yeah. Yes. But I want to specifically talk about how have you seen conflict outside of your marriage? also affect ministry or how's that come out mm-hmm. in and affected your faith even like how have you yeah. seen conflict in other areas outside of your marriage? Yeah, absolutely. And so, and again, this is, you know, Ooh, so many people are, yeah, so many people are <laughs> against the Enneagram and it's just really tragic because the Enneagram can help you begin to understand how we navigate biblical mm-hmm. principles. So the, the principle doesn't change. So, right. The Bible is the final authority mm-hmm. on everything. And so all my haters listen to that again, the Bible is the final authority on everything. The Enneagram helps me understand how I'm going to navigate that principle. Mm-hmm. So like, for example, you know, there are multiple ways to sail to Hawaii, but right, you know, the captain of the ship can figure out, you know, where's the wind blowing? How do I get there? What are the currents? What are the tides? That's what the Enneagram can help personalize it. And so, so mm-hmm. here's the core issue of the three and the six, and this is where we explode is what I want is a successful relationship. So if I if I view this person as someone who can help me succeed, I'm going to let a lot of things go that probably should be confronted and challenged because I think I need them. The 6 is is afraid that this person is is doing something wrong or wounding and 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 they want they want the sin to be pointed out. That's more important to them than the success because what's successful for Tammy is the truth winning out. So love rejoices mm-hmm. whenever the truth wins out. The three is like, well, the truth can slide over here to the left. Because <laughs> look how great so this true. is. Because look yeah. at how great this could potentially be. And so I would say if I could go back in time, uh, people have said extraordinarily awful things to my wife. I mean, we had a pastor that told Tammy in the parking lot, let the men handle this. Right. Uh, That, that that should have never happened. I should have never never allowed, (laughs) I should have never allowed that to happen. You know, stuff like that is worth confronting. And, you know, that person turned out to be an enormous problem in our church and, and caused all kinds of havoc, but they were also talented. And so I kind of was like, well, yeah, they say stupid things and do stupid things, but they also mm-hmm. provide this value and this benefit to our church and they're helping us grow. And and, and the reality is, uh, and this is why I think so many people have a hard time with me confronting them now, because people assume that when I'm confronting you, I'm saying, you're no good, you're terrible, I want to fire you. That's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is this thing in your life is detrimental and it's sin. And so that's how I've had to mature as a three is just because you're successful, just because God is using you doesn't mean we excuse sin. Early mm-hmm. on, I excused it because of the overall benefit. And and that's bad leadership. Now, to Tammy's side, you can't attack every single thing that freaks you out. <laughs> you can't burn every single no, bridge. No, you can't burn every bridge, you know. you need to go back across. <laughs> yeah, you know, so if, if you're married to a six, right, they bring gasoline to a fire party, right? You know, that's just what they do. So you got to make sure <laughs> <It's hot>. that, <laughs> that you, you know, that you help navigate that. But if you want to help calm a six, mm-hmm. you have to deal with issues and confront them directly. And... um you know, I mean, I, I honestly grew up in a home where I, you know, I, I don't ever remember there being conflict between my parents and their parents. I don't, I don't ever remember that. Now there was, every family has it. 
we just didn't, it just wasn't pointed out to me. There were things that, ha- there. I mean, I remember things as a child where I was like, wow, that's weird, but we never talked about it or dealt with it. It was just, it was just, it was just odd, you know? Um, and for me, unresolved conflict feels so unsafe mm-hmm. because it just feels like an attack on my person or my family or my ideal, whatever that is. So, you know, I'm still learning at 45, what do I need to engage in and what do I need to let go or have grace for? Mm-hmm. I have to err, you know, on having more grace than I probably have because mm-hmm. You know, I have a lot of six in me and a lot of one, which there's the right way to do things. And then there's the truth. And so I, you know, I tend to be very hard. I, most people don't want to acknowledge elephants in the room. And I'm like, there's an ant in here and we are, no one's going anywhere until we squash that sucker, you know? And so, (laughs) but that's very, very draining on people in my life and unfair because, you know, it's just, it's just a harder dynamic. I think for me in the church and in ministry, conflict has been super hard. You know, Matt and I talk about, and, and people have maybe heard us say about five years ago when we went to our counseling, when I said, I can't do this anymore. It actually was rooted in, I cannot handle, it wasn't rooted in, I don't, I can't do this anymore. Meaning Matt and I's marriage. It was, I can't do this anymore ministry. Mm -hmm. And what that was really rooted in is I can't have any more conflict with people. I've had enough conflict for a lifetime because there, there is a unique um, balance to be made of the position that we hold but also the person that we are. And so that is a really unique challenge for me personally of I have normal conflict like anybody else would, but when I give a voice to it, it's bigger because of the position, Mm -hmm. but it can also be more at risk because if I make someone upset, they leave our church. I've made someone upset over the years, or I've made people upset over the years, you know, and maybe they leave and maybe they were really big givers or big volunteers or so that's a really hard thing of like, well, I need to let this person treat me wrong because if I address it, they might leave and then what, yeah. whatever. Mm-hmm. That is a very tricky role for me to play in ministry in the church as, as a pastor's wife is, you know, what might be a normal conflict or a two on a scale of one to 10, it's always a 10 when it's coming from me because of mm-hmm. the position that I hold, not the person that I am, mm-hmm. um, or even necessarily the topic or whatever the issue is. And so for me, I have had to learn as a pastor's wife to be wise in what I pursue in conflict because it, it like with our marriage, like it might not just affect me. It might affect our church or people at our church. You know, if someone leaves and gets mad and gets on social media and talks bad about us, which breaks my heart because Samuel's church is one of the most important things to me and the people here. And so, you know, I, it, it's a really tricky thing for me, conflict in ministry, which is why when I said, I can't do this anymore, it was like, I, my heart, I can't have my heart broken Mm-hmm. in conflict anymore. I can't have one more friend leave our church that I've spent the last 10 whatever years investing in or lose another relationship that I thought was till death do us part or that kind of thing. Um, and so 
the Enneagram for me has helped me understand other people's languages, if you will, mm-hmm. which has minimized conflict for me because I can understand now, okay, here's mm-hmm. what's important to them. Mm-hmm. Here's what they need to hear from me to be able to actually resolve this conflict, which has really helped me be able to continue on. Cause I did hit a point where I was like, I love this church, but my heart is in a million pieces and I cannot there, there, there's just no possible way. Like someone had once said that ministry can feel like death by paper cut. Mm. Like, like it's not this one big wounding necessarily. It's a million little cuts and you're bleeding out. And that's what conflict in the church has felt like for me. Um, and so the Enneagram has just helped me so much. First of all, not be so offended not let myself be cut as much, have better boundaries, but also understand that everything isn't actually a conflict. It's just two people seeing something differently. There's a difference, you know, it doesn't have to be conflict. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, yeah. Thanks, babe. I'm, I just love you. I, you know, I would just say, I would just say, <laughs> you know, for so many of, you know, um, these independent young pastors, just, just pray for them because it's really, really dangerous and, and they're learning on the job. You know, Dan Zabardi as, as says, we. yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. Dan Zabardi says, Sandals Church is building an airplane as we're flying it. Mm-hmm. And so what that means, we're going to make mistakes. If you're a leader, here's the heartbreak. No matter how much you admit or own, it's not going to be enough for some people. No, ma- no matter how much you apologize, no matter how much you admit, no matter how much you repent, because people would rather be mad at you than look at themselves and change. And so over the years, um, you know, I, I've made mistakes. I've sinned. I've blown it. I've, I've, I've made as much change as I possibly can. I hear myself apologize more than any person I know. That's just saying, I, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. And I, I, I've done that. That has not been enough for some people, especially people who have been at Sandals for years. They just are so upset, so angry, feel so whatever. And it's because relationships are hard. There's a reason, you know, we don't keep long-term friendships. There's a reason we don't stay in churches for a long period of time. There's a reason we have a hard time staying in marriages because it requires a lot of grace and self-reflection. I have to give grace for the other person and I have to self-reflect. And, um, you know, um, and oftentimes, you know, when we stop paying people to go here, they, they stop. And that's unfortunate, but that happens over and over and over again. And you just got to deal with that, you know, um, you know, friendships, your, your real friends, we're going to talk about this week. Your real friends are the ones that stick it out for you. And I was sharing with somebody in our church who, who's really grieving the loss of friendships. And I said, if they were your friends, they would be rejoicing that you repented. They would be rejoicing at, at, at how you and your husband mm-hmm. have reunited. They would be rejoicing that, that, that grace and forgiveness won out, but they're not because they weren't your friends. And so, you know, um, our enemies love to point out all of our faults. Our friends love to rejoice when we repent. I mean, that's what heaven does, right? There's a party in heaven every time one soul repents and comes back. That, that's what heaven does. And, you know, our friends can point out a, an offense, but our real friends, man, as soon as we say, I'm so sorry, please forgive me, man, they're willing mm-hmm. to just run right back in and, and they rejoice in that. And that's what we have to do is, you know, I, I think it's important to be real in conflict, but it's also important to, to just lavish grace in the same mm-hmm. way that we have. I mean, Jesus talks about, you know, Peter says, how many times should I forgive? Well, seven times seven, you know, uh, or seven times 70. Um, 
you, you got to just keep forgiving as long as, and you look at that, what has the person done? They're genuinely sorry. They genuinely repent, repent. Mm-hmm. They genuinely come back for forgiveness. And when that happens, we don't get to pray about it. Like we, we, we have to forgive. If, if you believe that, that what they're saying is, is genuine, you, you are under obligation by God to say, I forgive you, of course. And so, um, you know, but in friendships, it's really, really hard. And most of you are not going to be lifelong friends with people because it's difficult. And and here's something that I hear myself talking with women in particular about more often than not is that the end of every friendship doesn't necessarily have to mean it has to be conflict. Right. And that is that was a mistake I made in my younger year self, now that I'm more seasoned, but was that if something ended, it had to be bad. I, and if it wasn't, I made something bad because it ending just feels weird. Mm-hmm. And now I can look back and just be like, that season changed. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, to be careful not to make a conflict where there's not, sometimes it is just seasons change. You, your life looks different. Your needs look different. Your circumstances are different. Your proximity is different. And I think women in particular kind of can create conflict mm-hmm. in yeah. these things instead of just grieving or saying, you know, I loved that when it was that way. Mm-hmm. It it doesn't have to mean they're bad or I'm bad or whatever. Women in particular need to be guarded against that because that's where the enemy comes in and we create enemies with one another that are unnecessary when it's just literally a life season changed, and yeah. life changing. And yeah. life is always growing and evolving because it's it's life is living, breathing mm-hmm. and moving and the world's spinning. And, and don't you yeah. think though, I mean, I, I think you're right on. I think that what you and I failed to do is understand that sandals is our life work. Mm -hmm. And for other people, it's their seasonal work. And so God has brought them here for a season and then he's going to move them on to do something else. I've been the worst at this. Well, I think we failed to do that. (laughs) And so, so mom and dad don't leave the family. Kids do. Mm -hmm. And I think that we misunderstood God's calling in our life for sandals church. Mm -hmm. He called us to be mom and dad. And so Mm -hmm. we are to remain here present as the kids, you know, come here for a time and they move out and they go out. And so I think that that's just so, so important. And I think that you and I, um, we sinned in being personally hurt mm-hmm. when God was moving. And that's not to say that they were always right when they moved away, mm-hmm. uh, but oftentimes they were, and we were wrong in that. And just holding holding on to the vision that God gave us tightly mm-hmm. and this church that God's entrusted us to tightly and holding on to people loosely because yeah. ultimately they're His and, um, and again, this is why understanding your internal, like GPS, DNA, however you want through the Enneagram was so good for me mm-hmm. because I realized that if, if everybody was in it forever, that felt safe to me. Mm-hmm. If people were coming and going, it wasn't unsafe. Yeah. And, and that created conflict between Matt and I, cause he's not that way. He is like, this is what God called me to. I'm going to stay, I'm going to achieve, I'm going to whatever. And so that's where the Enneagram helped me find so much comfort in what God was doing Mm -hmm. in me and to to remind me that he is my security, not people. Mm -hmm. And so again, when people are like, the Enneagram is whatever, it's like, no, the Enneagram pointed me back to what I need to know personally, which is my firm foundation, my safety, my security is, is found in God, not in the people coming or going. And so, because I was putting it in that, mm-hmm. that's going to be a struggle for sixes all the time. We're putting it in other people wanting that security when God, 
God's what's secure, you know, and also the, the risk part, like sixes tend to assess risk the most when we're unhealthy, everything's a risk. Mm-hmm. I have to constantly remind myself, even with conflict of like, okay, what, what if this person leaves me? And I, and we're not secure and our relationship isn't safe or whatever that looks like. I'm still going to be okay because I have a firm foundation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. God's already assessed the risks for me and he's got me before any person that left Sandals church felt like the beginning of the end of Sandals for me. I mean, I know that sounds ridiculous, but it was so, so real for me. And so once I started understanding my internal workings and I was like, this is so me, <laughs> um, I've been able to grow into a healthier place in that. And the conflict and the stress and the anxiety has minimized once I go, oh, this, this is just me. It's mm-hmm. not, it's not necessarily how it's actually playing out. Mm-hmm. You know, what do you, it, what do you yeah. say to me, God? What is true for me, God? What is true about you, God? So mm-hmm. the Enneagram has been so good for me in that way of when conflict comes and goes, I don't feel like it's the beginning of the end of our church. And I used to, <laughs> yeah. I really Yeah, but I did. would say for you, um, you, you're afraid of going to counseling. You're afraid of, because you're afraid of it's being your fault. I think mm-hmm. what was transformational in your life, what were the guy's names? Rich and Jim. Rich and Jim. So, so, so to say that the Enneagram changed our life is really, really that secondary. Rich and Jim were safe, secure, mm-hmm. and they, they were masters at making Tammy feel loved, safe, and secure. Mm-hmm. And though, and then in that, they gave her permission, freedom, and security to say, okay, there might be some things that I'm doing that are causing this conflict and causing mm-hmm. this grief and causing this fear to get out of control. And I can't emphasize enough that when you go to counseling, if you have a bad experience with a counselor, which we did early we on in marriage, we had, we had, but in every, <laughs> I don't care in every profession, there are people that suck. Yeah. There's, there's crappy pastors, crappy police officers, crappy counselors, crappy teachers, like crappy moms, dads, like, I mean, you name it. So, and, and you, what you can't let is those people in those professions derail you from your process and your journey to becoming everything that God's called you to be. And so, um, I think Rich and Jim, what's their, I forget their institutes called. Crosspoint. Crosspoint. And don't look it up. It's extraordinarily expensive. And and we were, (laughs) we were, we were blessed to have some people come alongside and help us financially to do that. Um, Because oftentimes great counselors are expensive. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, you know, there's a reason, uh, you know, burritos at Taco Bell are 29 cents each. It's because they're not that good. Um, so, so just understand that, that, you know, when, when you want the best, oftentimes you're going to need to pay. And so we were, and we were an extreme place. I mean, I, I wanted to quit ministry. Yeah, it was bad. Was a real thing, Mm -hmm. but it's also that thing I said earlier of, but Matt and I want the investment made in us. I mean, we, you know, some people need extreme, but we want what was invested in us. We want to take that and help people in ways that helped us, which is why we've brought this back because it did help us grow so much spiritually, so much personally, so much relationally. Mm -hmm. And so that, that's why one of the reasons why we're like, Hey, this can really help you be the best, healthiest version of who God created you to be. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not about making you a number. It's about you understanding who God made you to be. Yeah, absolutely. 
Cool. So I want to uh, shift over and talk now about kind of conflict resolution. Whoa. Uh, when... we're, not, we're not any good at it. <laughs> I'll step out. <laughs> we'll try to think, think back around because I would love to hear sometimes that you like have seen you guys maybe really excel at conflict resolution, maybe in your own relationship or in relationships with other people. When have you totally bombed? And what do you think are some of the, the determining factors that lead to success or not? Yeah, I, I think when emotions are high, yeah. <laughs> receptibility is low. And mm-hmm. so think of it like, what are those things we got on our kids? Seesaw? uh, Seesaws. And so, um, you know, the, the, the best time to talk about things is usually not when we talk about them. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just not right. It's, it's when we're, it's when we're chilled, when we're relaxed, um, when, when we, we feel, feel safe, safe, secure, <laughs> you know, that's the best time to talk about, you know, these things and, and, and. And the reality is we just don't. And so often we're thrust into, you know, uh, an emotion or a feeling and we're not prepared for it. I talked to this week, especially like if you're married to a five or you love a high five, like you need to give them a long run ra- on ramp in order to, to process and prepare because they're terrified of running out of energy, emotion or knowledge by the end of the fight, which I think we all run out of those things. I think fives are just aware of it um, or at least are afraid of it. And so... Um, you know, I, I just think that, you know, if we, whenever you're in conflict, the second it's about you and your wounding, it's really hard to get a win. When you're, when mm-hmm. you're trying to help somebody else be Christ-like and you're trying to help them see maybe a sin that they're blind to, I think that's, that's the beauty. That's when the win is. But as mm-hmm. soon as it's about me feeling vindicated, vindicated and me being, um, uh, you know, um, I don't know. Yeah, I guess vindicated is the word I'm looking for. It's just really, that's when it gets really, really ugly. Cause what I'm trying to do is get back at you for a wound I've received. Mm-hmm. And that's why Galatians 6, 1, I think is so important. Mm-hmm. And I didn't use it uh, this week, but he talks about when somebody's caught in sin, you know, make sure that you go in humbly and, and so that you don't get caught up in sin as well. I mean, that's, that's a loose translation of 6, 1, but you got to know that like, if I'm confronting Tammy on a sin, nine times out of 10, I'm going to be right there in, you know, maybe not in the sin I'm calling her out on, Mm -hmm. but I'm going to bring some other sin right in it with me. And you, when you got two sins together, like righteousness doesn't win out, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, sin times sin doesn't equal holiness. I mean, that's just not, Mm -hmm. that's not the way that it works. And so we have to be so, so careful. Um, One time I was confronting a family uh, uh, member on something and it just, it just blew up. And as they were yelling at me, I remember saying over and over again in my head, I'm here because I love them. I'm here because I love them. Because if I listen to what they're saying, mm-hmm. I'm going to respond and it's going to blow up. Mm-hmm. And and um, I think when I get it wrong, you know, and with Tammy, uh, and Tammy unfortunately gets the best of me and the worst of me. And I think that that's the, no. the beauty and the brokenness <laughs> of marriages. But when I feel attacked and mm-hmm. I cannot escape. And so that's the thing I think for men that's just challenging in our present world is... <laughs> Is, is women do not have to practice restraint in conflict. We do not live in a culture where women are, are taught how to practice, to, to practice restraint. The man, because he's stronger, louder, scarier, has to squelch so much of who he is in the process while he feels attacked, unsafe, unsecure. Mm-hmm. And that's not to in any way uh, exonerate men from being abusive or, or, or to make excuses for men when they lash out. I'm just saying... We need to quit saying that it's equal in fights. It is. W- women have carte blanche permission to utilize all of their their God given strengths in a conflict. A man has to 
restrain those because it, it can damage the relationship. It can damage whatever. And so just know when you're entering conflict, um, you know, Tammy and I actually got an argument about <laughs> two weeks ago where she's yelling at me that I'm being loud and I'm being aggressive, a, a, aggressive and overly emotional. Like those are the words coming out of her mouth. And I said, I cannot suppress who <laughs> I am any more than I currently am. And so because we didn't have that language early on, I just snap and go crazy, and it's like, whoa, you know, the bear woke up. Oh, you thought I was being loud before? Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. I mean, there's a whole nother mm-hmm. level of volume there. That Let me just say this, ladies. That's needed in certain situations. If some dude breaks in your your house and is going to hurt your family, you don't want your husband to be a negotiator. You need him to be an insane yeah. bear. That's what needs to happen. And so, like, that, that string that snaps <clears throat> in a guy's brain is God-given. We need to make sure that we're managing that and... And, and here's the thing is, is I think early on, Tammy didn't believe that I could be hurt. She didn't believe that mm-hmm. I cared. She didn't believe that because I was emotional. Because it looks so different Yeah, than because me. it looks different. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I'm not crying. I'm not hysterical. I'm not whatever. And I'm like, I'm, I'm just I'm just trying to hang on here because I don't, I, I don't know whatever. And so when you believe, and, mm-hmm. and let me just say this, when you believe you're a victim, you give yourself permission to hurt somebody. Mm-hmm. And that's in our culture. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I, I'm a victim, so I can I can hurt you, and I'm justified in this. Um, it, we have to make sure that in the marriage that w- we're not trying to be a victim. We're trying to be a spouse, and we're trying to be a partner, and we're communicating. Like this true in friendship too. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, well, in friendship yeah. too. I, sorry, how I, I went back, but the, I would say that I've I've failed in marriage much more than in friendship because my friendships are with guys, and I think we've been we've been more able to. Um, to be clear and to navigate that in a way and not to say that I haven't screwed up friendships and, and here's how I've, so the core sin of the three is deceit. I've not been completely honest. So in my mind, here's how I'm lying. If I tell you the whole truth, you're going to quit, leave. The relationship is over. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to massage the truth so that you're not as offended. Well, what I've learned is pre- people appreciate clarity. Mm-hmm. And if the relationship's <laughs> going to end, it's going to end, but my responsibility as a Christian is to speak the truth. And I just, and again, that's why you need to know your number. The core motivation of the three is successful. So in order to be successful, I'm going to lie to get the result I want. When you also tolerated a lot of unhealthy things because having a, saying the, fr- the friendship didn't fail was more important to you yeah. than being treated right, being treated honorable. Yeah. Then the friendship being healthy, you wanted it not to seem like a well, failure. And, I would say, and so you tolerated yeah. some things that were just not okay relationally. And I think we all do this. And this is part of the reason <clears throat> that a lot of childhood friends don't last is because there are just some things in childhood friendships, in relationships when we're young that are not healthy. And most people will choose not to grow. And so as you choose to grow, you can either remain negative and unhealthy with those people, or you can grow and get better. And, and again, that's why church attendance is so important. Small group is so important. Bible study is so important because you want to be around people who are trying to grow. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the caveat, the asterisk with Bible study is those tend to be negative and critical. So that's why I'm not, a, I mean, I want you to study the Bible, but that tends to be well, look at all the things Sandals is doing wrong or Harvest or the Grove or whatever church around you. And, and mm-hmm. I just don't like that because, you know, the, the Bible study, 
th- that sword should be cutting us, not, we should not be using it to mm-hmm. cut someone else. And so, mm-hmm. um, and I, I would say this about it, a couple things of just that, that's one of the things that is for women, like you talked about men, but for women, I think we have to be careful in that same way where men can get louder their, their body language gets scarier, scarier, but what women can resort to. So what happens with Matt and I is when he does that, even if I'm wrong, now we're dealing with his posture and his Mm -hmm. tone and not with what happened. But for women, I think what I've seen myself do, and I've seen other women do that we have to be careful of is crying, you know, using our emotions, um, as the excuse Mm -hmm. to mask whatever, we may need to be sorry for or whatever is our part. We just, now we're hurt. And so however we behave is um, justified mm-hmm. because we're hurt. Yeah. And so I think we need to really watch not using that part of how God made us in sensitivity. And it's not just men and women that have this way, but this is pretty general. And most often there are exceptions, but we need to not use that in, in the wrong way. Mm-hmm. The other thing is um, when it comes to the Enneagram, I think one of the, we talked about resolutions and the way it's helped Matt and I with conflict resolution is, and I think you spoke a little bit about this this weekend, but you know, when Matt would come at me with something that felt like a criticism or I did something wrong to me in my mind, it was always the beginning of the end. Mm-hmm. So by the end of this fight, someone's leaving. Mm-hmm. I need to figure out how to pay my own bills, support my own children. Like it, I went to the crazy place mm-hmm. and it was very real for me. Um, and for Matt, when I come at him and I'm critical, it's, I failed as a husband. I failed. My marriage is failing, which means my church, I yeah, mean, for him, ministry, yeah. you know, yeah, my yeah. life is a, a failure. I'm a failure. Mm-hmm. And so what the Enneagram has helped us by becoming, um, so experts, such experts on each other's inner working which is something so important to do in marriage is we both try to practice starting with the end in mind. Now, when I come at Matt with something, I'll be like, I love how you a, B and C like, here's where you are killing it in our marriage Mm -hmm. because I want him to not immediately shut off to whatever I have to say because he's, he knows I'm just going to let him know what a failure is. So don't want to hear it, Mm -hmm. you know, but what it like, how could this be better? kind of a deal. Yeah. How like the way I'm saying the same thing but my my strategy and my language is so different now understanding that failure and success is his automatic measure of how this is going to go. And vice versa. Matt comes at me with I'm never leaving you. You're the love of my life. I'm not going anywhere. Now I'm more open mm-hmm. to hear whatever he has to say because I know it's not There's the beginning like of the end. Of, yeah. My mind can be focused on whatever he has to say to me instead of trying to figure out how mm-hmm. I'm going to feed my fi- my kids in a week. Because mm-hmm. that's where I really went, which sounds irrational, is irrational, but it's real. It's being real. So understanding each other um, through the Enneagram has helped us change our strategy and our language. Because again, it's not about winning, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like in conflict, if your goal is to win, you might be right, but you can be so wrong. And at the end of the day, you're going to lose people, which isn't a win, mm-hmm. I don't think. Mm-hmm. So the goal for us isn't winning, it's resolving. Right. And so if I change my language and my approach, we're going to find resolve and vice versa. And it has just helped us so much with how we 
resolve our conflict now. Mm -hmm. And even I would say with our kids, like I have made it a point to understand my kids through the Enneagram, through what their primary styles are. And like with our oldest daughter, she has a lot of eight, a lot of nine in her, that, that nine in her, she's afraid already to declare herself. And so when I come at her, she's mm-hmm. already shutting down. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, I don't want to make, this is already escalated because you're coming at me. So I'm not going to say anything that might escalate it more. Mm-hmm. I'm having to remember that she needs to feel safe to declare how she feels or what her motivation was. Um, same with our daughter, you know, with all five of them, with mm-hmm. Matt shared about Ethan this week and he articulated it so well. When we come at Ethan, he shuts down. Yeah, which is no, yeah, which gets us nowhere. <laughs> and well, so, I would say both of us are fairly intimidating people, especially yeah. when you're a child. Neither and you of have, us. Well, and that's a good yeah. point. When we look at our Enneagram scores, both Matt and I have very, very little nine, which means <laughs> we come at it, yeah, and yeah. we're not afraid to come mm-hmm. at it. We need to remember how intimidating that is to our children. Yeah. All of them have super high nine scores, <laughs> and I and that is a result of who we've been. Like mom and dad are high, we're gonna go low. Mm-hmm. Like we, we are not help keep right, things stable, yeah. right? And um, so we're having to now with our adult children kind of try to create a safer place for them to feel like they can have a voice yeah. without us just going higher. Like Matt and I don't need to try to like bring that nine score up, the the peacemaker for those listening. But what we do need to be mindful of is that we're not going into it thinking, how can we bring peace here? We're going into it with how do I win? How do I get safe? <laughs> Which can really shut down other people. So you know, it's important for us to understand ourselves in that way and how that's mm-hmm. going to have other people experience us. Mm-hmm. If resolution and and peace and right relationship is the goal, that like this just helps us do that. We're not in it to win. Mm-hmm. Well, Matt, Matt might be with the three score, yeah. but, <laughs> you know, we're in it to have right relationship with people. Yeah. When we're so. at our best, we are. Yeah. yeah. When we're at our worst, we're in it to win. Yeah. <laughs> Well, cool. We have uh, three listener questions that I'd love to jump into real Wait, quick. Wait, we here. didn't get to what does it mean to fight fair? Would you like to get into that? I was yeah. Just so do. for me as a man, it means not adopting a scary position, mm-hmm. having the courage to confront Tammy when I'm not angry. So what I would do early on is I would, I would passive aggressively stuff, 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 stuff. So I go to the nine mm-hmm. and then when I can't take it anymore, I explode. But then at that point, um, you know, it was funny. We were, it wasn't funny. We were on vacation with our friends and, and I have a friend named Matt and, and I blew, oh I blew up on Tammy in front of them. And, and I, I really felt like I had, I, I really felt violated by Tammy. I felt like she was overly critical, Sorry. unfair, dishonoring. Like I was, I had about five days of Tammy shooting on me <laughs> and I, I just Sorry. lost it. But here's what Matt Alby said. And it really helped me to just reflect on it. He said, you kind of took up all the space. And I realized, you know, and so I, so I, I, I lost my, my ish, ish on Tammy <laughs> in front of our kids, their kids, our friends, Matt, you know, our friends. And, and so another man said, look, man, when you're that explosive, um, you know, it, it really, your, your case is kind of You've kind of lost your case, you know. It's 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 like getting ripped off at at a at a store, you know, where they overcharge you, and then and you pull out your gun and shoot everybody. Well, at that point, I don't know that we're we're talking about the uh, six dollar and seventy five cent discrepancy mm-hmm. uh, that's happening is because your act took up all all the space, and so um, 
we we because that argument took place in front of our friends. I mean, like right in front of their friends. I mean, it was terrible. <laughs> we can laugh about it yeah. now. <laughs> but, but it was also helpful the for then my friend Matt to go to Tammy because Tammy's assumption is that that men. When I get like that, that that no other man acts like that, and my friend Matt's like, "Well, I've I, I've acted like that." And so, so for me, what does it mean to fight mm-hmm. fair? It means that when I'm sensing I'm going to lose control, that I need to press pause and mm-hmm. go away, take a walk, and I need to yell at the sky, yell at God. I need to get that out because here's the thing for me, that's out in two minutes. But if I if I let that out in front of my family, I can't fix that for two years. Two minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, 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 um, so I have <laughs> yes. to, I have to make sure that I'm not going to make anybody feel scared. I'm not going to yell, scream, throw things. I've destroyed furniture. Um, I I've just done stupid things because right when you go crazy, you go crazy. And so when I sense that I'm getting that, so now when we argue, I sit on my hands, I do that. I'll sit on my hands. Uh, I'll, I'll remind her that I'm I'm not going to blow up. I'm not going to do that. And then if I, think I feel that's reminding us both. <laughs> yeah. And I think if, you know, so that, that's, that's what, what mm-hmm. I need to, to do on my part to fight fair. I think for Tammy, for me, it just means that she's not going to, she, you know, we don't have to deal Threaten with. Threaten to leave. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. one of them. Yeah. Um, one of the things for me that I've learned now about fighting fair with you is I can't come at you with a hundred little things. Yeah. You know, you're doing this, you're doing this, you're doing this, you're doing this. Um, I don't get this right very often, but one, I think an answer for that would be for us is that I'm very, very literal. And so when a word comes out, I'm like, uh, but you said this for me to fight fair with Matt again, to resolve, because I don't want to win because if, if I win and I'm right, but we separate, that's a lose, Mm -hmm. right? Is that I have to give him room to go. I said that. But here's what I meant, because he's not as literal with his words on it. He's more, he's in the feeling triad. Mm -hmm. I'm in the thinking triad. So when a word comes out, I attach meaning. I like, Mm -hmm. I'm stuck there where he's like, here's how I'm feeling. Oh, I used the wrong words to describe how I'm feeling. For me to fight fair with Matt, I have to, I have to hold loosely to his actual words and give him time to articulate his actual feeling. Mm -hmm. But I don't really do that. Yeah. That's but what not just that. Do. In a perfect world, <laughs> yeah, I'm but not just that. that. But you yeah. attach the worst possible meaning. Mm. So the yes. six attaches the worst possible yes. meaning. We gotta be prepared. For the that was mm-hmm. so. Yeah. Like our joke this weekend: "You look great today." What? You don't think I look great? Like right. we've had some pretty crazy arguments over stuff where <laughs> I'm like, "What?" You know, like <laughs> I'm, I'm, gonna... I'm I'm literally confused as mm-hmm. to the conflict. Like because because it's it's the the attachment is. So, so the six, when they're unhealthy, they, they attach meaning to words and motivation. So, so you said this and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to attach this meaning and, oh, by the way, I know why you said it. And I'm like, I didn't even know I said that much less why I said that. So, yeah. Yeah. So there's that. (laughs) But look at us still. We're still standing. A little limp, but... (laughs) All right. So we got um, two questions in, and Laura and Cassidy asked pretty much the same question, but had two different directions. Uh, we've been talking a lot about the triads mm-hmm. when we've been talking through the Enneagram on the weekend. Um, and they both have high scores in each of the triads. So they've got three high scores, mm-hmm. one score in each triad. Right. So Laura wants to know, how do I know which triad I'm mostly a part of? I, I would say this, whatever your top score is, 
that's your primary way of processing. Sandals is unique in that we have people look at their top three because like in my case, I'm a 99.96, but I'm like a 98 one. Mm-hmm. So for me to dismiss how much influence right and wrong, good and bad have in me would, would be foolish. However, and that is in the feeling triad. However, my primary driver is thinking Mm -hmm. in the thinking triad. So I would say whatever your top, top score is, that's your primary triad. Um, Now, but there are people that are like, we did a coaching recently where it was like two tied scores, 99. They were both in different triads that you really kind of vacillate back and forth between those um, they both have such a strong influence you and that's okay. How would you answer that? Yeah. So the first thing I would do is I would say what resonates the most with you, mm-hmm. a struggle with anger, a struggle with fear and anxiety, a struggle with uh, shame and embarrassment. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I would I would ask probing questions there if you're in all three categories mm-hmm. and and it can change. So, so here's the thing is that's one of the things you need to know about yourself is you don't need to say which category am I. You need to say, well, I operate from all three and some people do, mm-hmm. um, but some people don't. And, again, and we all do. It's yeah. to what degree. Yeah, to what like degree. Like what's the primary driver, maybe what what's sitting in the front seat and what's in the back seat, you know, because we're coming, we're all coming at life in all three. Mm-hmm. It's just to what degree and what tends to be the driver. Yeah. And so the beauty of the Enneagram versus like Myers-Briggs, the Myers-Briggs, which some of you are like, what's that? Don't worry about it if you don't know. It's another personality assessment test. The Myers-Briggs is either or. And I think what the beauty of the Enneagram is it's both and, and it's saying it's, it's the lines are more blurred because people we're we're not as rigid as we want Mm -hmm. to, you know, assume that we are. And, and I think that's one of the core issues in relationships in the world today. You are this, or you are that. Mm -hmm. And so like you're a Democrat or you're a Republican. And when you sit down with people, Democrats and Republicans often find themselves agreeing on lots of things, but you would never know that Mm -hmm. because we we live in an either or world Mm -hmm. when the reality is, no, no, no. I mean, I, I, I'm with you on that, or I'm with you on that. And so, um, and because politics is about winning or losing, and at the end of the day, right, the Democrats want to be in power and the Republicans want to be in power. And so that's why common ground is so hard, but mm-hmm. that doesn't work really well in a marriage at work, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in your community group um, that, you know, th- that doesn't, that doesn't work well in life. And that's not to say that there aren't real differences between the two. I'm not mm-hmm. trying to, to minimize that at all. I'm just saying that we need to be aware that, you know, to, to yell at somebody, well, you're just instinctual. You're like an animal. I mean, that's not going to be helpful because, in that moment, you might be operating from that standpoint and, and posturing as an animal mm-hmm. yelling at somebody. So I would look at that first and say, how do I feel? So I think this test, um, this um, series is an invitation for you to begin to understand yourself, mm-hmm. how you see others and how you see God. Mm-hmm. Now, having s- stated that, how you see yourself, how you see others and how you see God, that's not the gospel. The gospel is the gospel. Jesus is Lord. Like that's mm-hmm. the most important. I just need to understand how who how I see myself, others, and God can shade how I see God's word, how I'm supposed to treat myself, how I'm supposed to treat I'm others. Engage it, interact, yeah. it, and and be obedient to it. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and so and know that you, you here here's how to here's how to really get the most out of life is you have to um protect yourself against yourself in the way that you see the world because. Mm-hmm. 
Otherwise, you're, you're, you're walking through life blind, assuming you see. This is what Jesus says. You Pharisees who are blind are leading people who mm-hmm. are blind, and you all fall into a ditch. What he's saying is you think you see the world accurately. The truth is you don't see it at all. And, and we need to allow Jesus to say that to me. What, what am I missing here? Mm-hmm. What, you know, what, what am I missing? And so, um, you know, somebody like Judas, who's probably in the thinking triad, this doesn't make sense to me. You know, this just doesn't, this isn't, this doesn't seem right. This, this doesn't, uh, as a, as an accountant. Dude, why does Judas have to be my triad, dude? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think he made some calculations that were wrong. I oh, think, you that know, sounds about right. That's what I would say is I think <laughs> no, Judas, and I'm, 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 that's not to say that the, the thinking triad's any worse. It's just that. Jesus doesn't make logical sense. It just doesn't, you know? And so he's going to protect himself and he's going to calculate. And in the end, he bet wrong and he feels terrible mm-hmm. and he takes his own life. Um, and, and, and that's terrible. And I think most of us would think that that's in the feeling triad. Um, but, but when you, when you look at Judas, he approaches things, not from feelings, not from, you know, and he could be high instinctual. This is right or this is wrong. And just here's how it is. And we just have to understand that, that, we have to learn to look at ourselves. Um, you know, like when Jesus, Jesus tells Judas and he, he dips his hand in the bread, he says, go do what you must do. Like, I would think, I would hope that would wake me up. Mm-hmm. It didn't. And he, and he flees and then does the very thing that, you know, man, that's just, that's just terrifying. And so how do I wake myself up and not do the things that Satan is going to tempt me to do? And Satan tempts all of the numbers. He tempts all mm-hmm. of us. And he's always there whispering in Tammy's ear, Matt's not safe. Matt's not secure. Mm-hmm. You need to look out for yourself. Think about how dangerous that is in marriage. Mm-hmm. You have to look out for yourself because he's, your husband is not interested in your safety. That is, whoa. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, he's whispering in my ear, Tammy's going to bring you down. Tammy's the reason you're not going to be famous. Tammy's the reason you're not going to be a big deal. Tammy's the reason you're not making a difference, right? So he's whispering in those conversations Mm -hmm. and he's whispering to the dark side, the shadow side of our personalities. And so what we want is we want Jesus to shed light on those and listen to truth. And so, um, and well, it's the very thing of with the Enneagram, you know, it's foolish. They say this, that the Myers-Briggs helps you understand how the world sees you. The Enneagram helps you understand how you see the world. And I think that's true. And, and again, it's not about the Enneagram. It's about us seeing clearly so we can be who God made us to be. But what the, you know, what we can do on our own is say the way I think, the way I feel or what I believe the instinct is the way and we discount and discredit anybody outside of that, not realizing that no, all of it. All of the styles, all of the ways matter. And that's how we do. Once we get that, or at least a grasp of it, that's where we can do all of the one anothering Mm -hmm. that God's called us to. All of the valuing, all of the, you know, the greatest commandment to love others as yourself, which we don't do if I'm like, you're too much of a feeler, you're too much, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever. That kind of a thing is, it helps us to go, oh, other people see differently than me and it's as necessary and valuable. Mm-hmm. That's what, that's what it can help us do is it's as necessary yeah. and as valuable. But then also like when you just shared that about what the lies we hear from the enemy, the very thing that God purposed for good in us, 
in me, you know, valuing truth and safety and strategy and assessing risk and loyalty and all of those things that are necessary to the world around us. Same thing for you is leading, leading people towards what's right, good and true and being successful and being a risk taker, all of those things, Mm -hmm. everything God meant for good in us. What does the Bible say? The enemy comes to kill, still and destroy. Mm -hmm. And so it's all of our best qualities can also be, it's what the very thing the enemy is going to want to use against us. So for mm-hmm. me to value safety, assess risk, the enemy wants to use that of nothing safe. Nobody's worth the risk. You know, everything's going to go like there. We all have to remember that, that that's not only true for ourselves, but every person around us in a unique and special way. That's how the enemy works. Yeah. So let's answer Cassidy's question. What does it mean for me and how should I go about dealing with conflict? What, what I think you need to say is when you're having conflict with a person, Cassidy, here's what you need to do is, is how am I missing this person? So if I'm coming at mm-hmm. uh, an instinctual person with feelings, that's not going to work. Mm-hmm. So, so that's the wrong approach. So I have to say, okay, how can, how can I address them? You know, uh, how can I come at a thinking person? So like, for example, whenever I meet with Brian Chalette, you know, I'm going to get a lot of data. He's going to present data. And I, I, I have to learn to appreciate that regardless of how it makes me feel. Mm-hmm. Because data doesn't always care about how you feel. And so Brian <laughs> is our, our CFO, you know, here at Sandals Church. And so I, I appreciate that. Um, but what I'll do is I'll go back to him and, and I'll say, here's how that made me feel. What do you think about that? And so then I give him language to be able to talk about that. And we have to negotiate that. So with, with eights, nines, and ones... You know, they're not, they're not thinking about things. They're not feeling things. They're just doing things. And I have to say, Hey, here's what you're doing and it's not working and it's not okay. And I have to be very, very direct. So, uh, you know, the nine's going to have to chill out then, excuse me, the eight's going to have to chill out. The nine's going to have to step up. The one is going to have to relax and give grace. Mm-hmm. Um, because you know, they're, it's a, they're very, very powerful people that we need mm-hmm. that we, we totally need. And so, um, you know, so when I'm dealing with a two, they're going to hide behind everything they've done for me. Oh my gosh, and so you I have to that. say, you have to say, <laughs> look, I appreciate all those things. I'm not talking about the good things you do for me. I'm talking about this one thing that you're doing that's driving me crazy. Mm-hmm. Stop doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so, and, and we all have, we all have a little bit this, you know, so what, 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 how should I approach a three? How should I, and that's why you want to interact with this because you're interacting with people who are differently. And we haven't even talked about gender differences, socioeconomic differences, family we of origin, family of origin. We haven't talked trauma. about, you know, mm-hmm. race. We haven't talked about, mm-hmm. um, you know, like all your trauma, you said it, all of those things factor into, oh, and generational. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, millennials are very, very different from boomers and, uh, you know, Xers and, and, and boomers. So, and you're like, oh, that's just too complicated. But like I was talking with a leader, uh, a good friend of mine who's struggling and he literally says, he's about my age. And he says, I've always just treated people the same. And I am like, well, how's that working? Because it's not working. Mm-hmm. You're, you're failing at ministry. You're failing at life because you're treating everybody like they're the same. And they, people don't like that. Yeah. And I would answer that question a little, just a little bit differently, but, um, and maybe like reverse the question, how should I go about dealing with conflict and relationship when I score high in each triad? That's actually to a benefit for you. I think what you need to be figuring out is where does the person that you're, 
in conflict coming from? And then which one of those strengths do you tap into? Mm-hmm. You know, do we need to address the feelings and, and not the facts at first? Like I'm so you, I don't know what the situation is, but like, I'm so sorry you felt yeah. overseen, overpowered, dismissed. That was not my heart. Here's what was going on in my head, mm-hmm. but I am sorry that you felt that way. Or um, here were the facts and I got so caught up in that, that I missed your feelings or man, I came on strong, that gut, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I got so focused on the issue that I forgot to see you as a person. Like, I think the the best strategy for all of us and all the triads is to really try best to understand where the person that we're in the conflict is coming from, what, what they, what their need is, what mm-hmm. they, their, their fear is, what they pursue and what they avoid. Every single style has what they pursue and what they avoid. You know, um, Steph, you're nine, mm-hmm. pursue peace, avoid conflict. Amen. So I know coming into this with you, that conflict is the worst thing in the world that can happen for you. Mm-hmm. So to say like, okay, something's going on. We're going to be okay. Mm-hmm. That lets you know right away. Not the like for my need of I'm not going anywhere, but like peace is imminent. Like yeah. it's coming. We're working toward peace. Right yeah. Now. Like, but can we talk about this thing, you know, mm-hmm. to assure you, because in the moment, again, what we want to work towards is not having to be right, but to be resolved so that we're right. We're in right relationship with one another. Yeah. And so, you know, I can still say what I need to say without being like, Steph, you either get on board or I'm blowing all of this up. I mean, what that's going to make you do is go into a bunker. Like, okay, of how like, do I just get out of this? Yeah. yeah. Um, and avoid it altogether. Mm-hmm. And then it comes out in other ways. Mm-hmm. And so I think you have a benefit of having high in each of them what you need to be strategic to do Cassidy and the rest of everybody, all of us, myself included is use the Enneagram to try to, and again, we don't type other people because we don't understand what's going on inside of people, but try to understand, like, I really can sense, maybe, you know, their style because they've been open about it. If not like, okay, I can see that you might have a lot of is the language we would use this style in you, which means you have a need to be needed that's the two need to be needed. Um, and so might say like, man, everything you've done for me is so helpful. And I really, you know, want you in my life still because the two has a hard time when they're not needed. They feel like if they're not needed, they're not necessary. Mm-hmm. It's important for two to know they're wanted. So if you're going into a conflict with them to come at it with the, the heart of like, man, you have meant, you mean so much to me. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. you're tapping into the feelings and then you get to the issue. So all of us need to do that. We need to understand who the other person on the other side of the table is. Yeah. All right. Next question. Whoa, more? Jeez. Yeah. We have two more questions. This Joelle. one's long, but I think we'll get to it pretty quick here. She says, as a four, I struggle with getting so lost in my own feelings that it's hard to recognize others' feelings as well. Mm. I'm often called selfish in conflict when I'm trying to sort through everything in my head. I also struggle with knowing when it's appropriate to show my emotions. If I do, I'm called over-emotional or dramatic. And when I try to hold back, it's perceived that I don't care. Mm. As a four, I feel like the way that I process and express emotions is too much for others. Mm. How can I handle conflict with this fear that I show emotion in the wrong way. Yeah, I'm guessing. Uh, is it Joel a guy or a girl? Girl, I'm pretty sure. Girl. Um, sorry, Joel, that name could go either way. Um, I'm guessing you're a four wing five because it mm-hmm. seems like from your question, and, and by the way, I appreciate the specificity of your question or of your statement. Um, 
I, I love as as a four, I struggle with getting lost in my own feelings. Amen. You do. And and so that's just just know that's truth. That's never gonna go away. Um, mm-hmm. the, the, the the beauty of your of your of your style is you're self-aware of how you feel. So I'm a three, I'm the last person to know <laughs> how I feel. So so like I, I'm a little jealous, uh, which is uh, mm-hmm. your course in, but I'm a little jealous right now of uh, of just that because I, that's the beauty of the four. Uh, I often get called selfish in conflict, and and that's just a part of being a four. You get wrapped up in yourself. Um, when I'm trying to sort through everything in my head, that's your five wing. Um, I also uh, struggle knowing when it's appropriate to show my own emotions. You need to be around people that are comfortable with emotions. I mean, that's just Mm -hmm. the bottom line. So if your family of origin is a bunch of thinkers, um, and and, and, and right, that's the reality. Oftentimes we come from families that are just very, very different and and, and, and than who we are. We we have to figure out, okay, how do I develop friendships Mm -hmm. and and a community group that can handle my emotions? and yeah, sometimes you are going to be overly emotional and dramatic. That's the way that God wired you. Uh, so Tammy and I, we somebody that we love more than anybody in the world, our middle daughter is a four, mm-hmm. and we have to sit in that, in her darkness and the cloud as we circle the drain and life is over. But literally within 15 minutes, oftentimes we come back out and there are rainbows and unicorns and we're all eating ice cream and <laughs> it's been great. So what you have to have is is people that can sit with you in your darkness so that they can also see the bright side of you mm-hmm. uh, and the beauty. And, and and just understand this. If you're a four, you have to think of yourself like seasons. We don't actually have them in California, but everywhere else they <laughs> do. Like you have summers, you're going to have falls, you're going to have winter. I mean, that's just the reality. Mm-hmm. But there's also going to be spring and summer. So you're going to do your best work in spring and summer, but your fall and your winter are preparing you to be creative again. And so you're tapping into... Mm-hmm. Feelings and emotions that a lot of the rest of us are just ignoring. So... I, I just would encourage you to to not uh, be down on yourself because you experience those things, but you need people that can can help pull you out of that because if you go down into that darkness, like you can stay down there and it gets mm-hmm. really, really unhealthy. Um, and we, says, and we're not to, meant to stay in winter forever. <laughs> yes, no, man. It's not like Game of Thrones here. So we need you to come out. I feel like the way I process and express emotions is too much for others. It is. But that doesn't mean it's wrong. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I feel like my goals and objectives in life are too much for others, but that's how I am. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I never, I don't have a goal. I have goals. That's just the reality. <laughs> Tammy doesn't have a fear. She has fears. Yeah. You know? I, and I think for, you know, Matt and I have a lot of experience with the four again, because we've lived with one for the last almost 22 years. But, you know, one of the things that we have found for ourselves, again, sometimes her feelings are too much is not the right word, but they're a lot. They're a lot to navigate. We have to be careful that we don't dip down because in 10 minutes, she might be back up and we're still down. So Matt and I have had to, to figure out how to, how to try to kind of stay afloat when she goes down or goes up. And that actually, now that she's becoming older and more mature and understanding, more awake to who she is, that provides her a lot of comfort. Mm-hmm. knowing that we're a safe place for her because mm-hmm. when she goes down, we don't go down. We, you know, we go down, we dip a little with her when she's down to comfort, have empathy. We go up when she's up, but, but not to the depths and degrees. Right. Mm-hmm. But what we're always telling her is, you know, you, like asking her not to feel her emotions is like telling her to hold her breath indefinitely. Mm-hmm. You know, telling me not to be afraid is like asking me to hold my breath, telling Matt not to have goals 
is like asking him to hold his breath indefinitely. But you don't stay there, you know, you, to, to feel your feelings, but don't trust and believe every feeling you have. It's so important for fours to have people in their life that go, I, I know you feel this way, but here's some facts. And it's a practice that you're going to have to just resign yourself to if being the healthiest version of yourself is, is important to you. You have to resign yourself for every feeling to ask God, what is the truth? Mm-hmm. What are the facts here? I feel like I'm not loved, but I know God loves me. And the truth is there's people who love you. I feel like this is the end of the world. No, because God holds my future. I feel like, like you are fours in particular, always have to make a practice of asking what is the fact mm-hmm. that, that coincides with the feeling because yeah. And yeah. if you're a parent of a four or you're a four, it's really important that you guard against getting in relationships with a bunch of unhealthy fours, mm-hmm. because what you do is your negativity and your darkness magnifies mm-hmm. with each other. And so what I would encourage you to do is like, make sure that you have a friend that's a seven uh, or a nine, somebody mm-hmm. that's very, very peaceful and very steady. Mm-hmm. That's the nine or the seven that's going to have fun and get you out of your shell and out of your hole. Right. And, and help you figure that out. And just, just know that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, think about the beauty that you mm-hmm. can provide for a seven. You can help them experience pain and self-reflection. Um, and, and the four is going to help the nine actually tap into some negative emotions and maybe speak up and declare how they're feeling. So, so I, I would just look at those two friendships because what will happen is you'll get a bunch of fours together mm-hmm. and we just all like, you know, we just wear black and we just, you know, we're all sad and we're going to listen mm-hmm. to depressing music. And literally you try to outdo each other with who's more negative and just be really, really. So if you have a kid that's a four, you know, you want to really encourage, mm-hmm. hey, you need to have some healthy friends. You need to have some happy friends. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's the thing about force too, is there's some of the best people to come alongside us in our pain, Yes, mm-hmm. which is good for the rest of us, but it's not always good for the four. And we've watched that with our daughter, Kennedy. Yeah. She she comes alongside really hurting people in that are in tough seasons, but because of the nature of the way God's designed people like that, they get so in it that they sometimes can't separate who they are from it. And we've Mm -hmm. had to tell our, our daughter, like you can only get in the mess with so many people at a time Mm -hmm. and you have to have boundaries for what that looks like. And again, she's getting older. She's becoming more awake to herself and maturing. And one of the things she said is that she actually really values friendships with people who have a lot of healthy aid in them because they're direct and clear, Mm -hmm. which is the opposite of what feelings are. Um, And so emotions can just flood with a lot of gray, Mm -hmm. you know, not a lot of black and white. And so the directness of eights actually are providing her a lot of safety and security because she's like, I know that's where we are. I know that's the truth. I know that's where they stand. I don't have to guess. I don't have to mm-hmm. weed through all the emotion to get there. Mm-hmm. And so I think what you said is so valuable of, you know, you're, you're by nature. And I think how God's designed you going to be the people that helps people find the beauty in the darkness, helps people, you know, get, gets into the emotion and, and, has an empathy that the rest of the world just is not going to be good at, which is a gift. But if you're not careful, that's going to wash over you. So you have to be the best, your own best protector and making sure that you have healthy relationships in your life. Um, And that you pursue facts to balance the amount of feelings. Amen. 
All right. So we have one more question for today. So Cassie wrote in um, and said, you mentioned that people shouldn't go to sleep with anger or in an argument because it invites the devil to speak into us instead of the Holy Spirit. She wants to know, how literal are you about this? She said, I spent years staying up until four or five in the morning, hashing something out that happened late at night. And now I think it's just ridiculous. Sometimes people need space to think, like you said, about fives. And sometimes arguments happen at night. Yeah, I think that I'm pretty literal about that. that it's not just your feeling. I mean, that's scripture. Yeah, I mean, that's that. Yeah, that's the word of God that I quoted. And so the reality is, here's the beauty of arguing until four, five in the morning is, you're eventually right. Mother Nature takes over, and you're going to get tired, and you're going to lose some passion. And so that's <laughs> that's actually in your favor. Yeah. And it's just better to really, really deal with it. I don't think Tammy and I have ever made it to four or five, but we've made it to two or three several times in the morning. Uh, And we have taken breaks. We've gone to separate rooms. We've even attempted to spend the night in different rooms multiple times. And that hasn't happened because that's just not a good thing. Um, That hasn't happened in a long time. But I think that it's important to to talk about it. Like if you feel like somebody's dangerous, absolutely, that you need space. Um, You know, if, if, if if you're concerned about somebody, you need somebody else present to make sure that they don't hurt you or hurt themselves, um, or, or do that. But I, I think literally, um, or you, what you can do is you can, you can say, Hey, we're going to table this mm-hmm. together. Yeah. Uh, we both agree. We love each other. We're not going to give Satan a foothold in this. I'm committed to working this out. You're yeah, committed. There can be a level of resolution. Yeah. So there can be a not... level of resolution. Cause you can't solve everything, mm-hmm. you know, You're right about that, you know, in one night, but you can come to a point where you can peaceably not give the devil permission for the rest of the night, get some mm-hmm. sleep, get some rest and commit to working on that, uh, the next day when, when maybe, you know, uh, emotions are calmer and heads are cooler. Mm-hmm. So I think that's, that's fair. So. And I think, you know, some strategies that can be implemented in those kind of situations, because Matt and I've had that. It's like 9 p.m. It's the first time we're seeing each other in the day. And it's like, oh, and hey, you yeah. know, now it's like everybody's awake now. But, you know, to get to that place where it's like this really matters, but also <laughs> we have to sleep. We have big days tomorrow or whatever that looks like, mm-hmm. um, you know, try to implement like praying like, God, we're not OK, but but we we know we're going to be okay. Yeah. And, you know, to, to pray in that moment, try to get a good night's sleep and then pick it up later to say, I am not budging on this, but I love you. And I'm, I want to work on this, but neither of us are thinking clearly because that's a a true dynamic too. Mm -hmm. So there are ways to have the literal sun go down and table it layers of, resolution. I think, you know, I think that's what we would both Mm -hmm. say is there can be layers of resolution. Now, sometimes it's going to hash out and, and there are some things that maybe it works out to that, but I think, you know, that is scripture. Don't let the sun go down. And there's the wisdom in that is because, you know, then we, in our own minds, we're our own worst enemies. That's where the enemy just starts like a Petri dish of just Mm. breeding, gross thoughts. Well, they always this, they, Mm -hmm. the fight gets 10 times bigger alone in our minds, Mm -hmm. which I think is what that's saying, which is where the enemy gets, it pits us against one another, has us believing the worst about each other, has us making irrational decisions. Like for me, that looks like in the morning, I'm going to get up and take the pack and take the kids. (laughs) That might've looked like at the time, you know, instead of just working it out to get to a place where Matt's like, I love you. I'm not going anywhere, you know? And so we don't want the enemy to get that breeding ground. So what does it look like to say, I'm not going anywhere. You're not going anywhere, but we do need to get some sleep. That's yeah. a way to table it. Yeah. Let's pray about this. Let's whatever. Like there are ways to have a step towards resolution without 
hashing it out until yeah, five in the morning. Yeah, I just don't sleep night. well, like if we're not well. Matt does don't. not sleep well. Yeah. I can sleep better. I've had the like late at night fights and I'm like, sorry, <laughs> no, I'm not sleeping until we deal with this. So you're, yeah. you're not sleeping either. I'm really sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't go well. Yeah, I get we'll demonic diarrhea. <laughs> so that's how I handle it's it. It's a real thing. Yeah. Ooh. And I, I just get the flu for a week after later yeah. and canker sores everywhere in my mouth. And yeah, the body keeps score, you guys. It does, that's man. a real thing. It that's a real thing. Just remember, so, Cassie, the Lord knows you better than you do. Mm-hmm. Love you. Yeah. Yep. That's it for this week, folks. So yep. thank you so much Thanks for joining for us today. Me. Yeah. Yep. Bye, guys. Bye. Thanks so much for listening today. A couple quick things for you. First, if you are interested in getting more involved here at Sandals Church and growing in your leadership, our applications are open right now for Rogo School. So make sure you go check those out. Go to rogofoundation.com slash rogoschool. You can find out more about Rogo School and some of the tracks that we have available right now. Also, we have a giveaway going to celebrate our 1 million downloads milestone that we've hit. Make sure to check that out. We'll have all the details in the show notes for this episode at debrief.show slash 151. Oh, 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 oh,